You're listening to the She Is Fierce podcast. I'm Kelly Youngs, the founder of She Is Fierce, a global women's network that elevates women's stories and gives you the tools and connections you need to live on purpose. We support female leaders and business owners who are ready to level up in business and life. We partner with and provide speakers and development programs for companies that believe in the power of supporting women on the rise. On our podcast, you'll hear the inspiring stories of professionals and entrepreneurs who have overcome challenges and built purpose-filled lives. And you'll get a behind-the-scenes look at my mission-driven business and learn how to brand and grow your own. Hello, and welcome back to the She Is Fierce podcast. I am absolutely delighted to be here with you today and with a very special guest. She is a past She Is Fierce speaker and the founder of Power Women Worldwide, a dynamic community serving thousands of women speakers, experts, and leaders each month. She is the true embodiment of the power of transformation and resilience. Her journey from the streets of the Bronx to the world stage is a testament to the indomitable spirit that propels us beyond challenges and into greatness. Now, as one of the most sought after business and leadership keynote speakers out there, her clients include 10% of the Fortune 100 global corporations, 12% of direct selling news North American uh, top 50 companies and all branches of the U.S. military. So imagine being among the Motivational Speakers Hall of Fame ranks, a league that includes luminaries like Anthony Robbins and Jack Canfield. Pegeen is the only Latina and one of a mere eight women in those ranks. Her words and her presence when she is speaking leave a mark on all who hear her. Pegeen, I am so thrilled to have you with me today. Welcome. So happy to be here. You know, you hear your, your somebody doing the intro and you go, Wow, yeah, wow. That's me? you. That's <laughs> you we're talking about. It's so amazing. Yeah. Good. I mean, you know, as you know, we have so many incredible women in our community, and I've been so lucky to interview many amazing women. But I and I shared this with you right before we started talking. I feel so aligned with your mission. I love everything you're doing, and I have been so lucky to have you as a speaker on our stage and actually see you in action and see how from the first moment you walked in the room, you just lit up that room. You had women up, they were moving, they were shouting. You had everything uh, just moving in sync and in rhythm and it was beautiful. Thank you so much. I, I appreciate that. You know, I love, I love what I do. I love what I do. I love I love every aspect of my life that has gotten to me where I to where I am. You know, the story, you know, it's all of our stories, but it's how we view our stories that makes such a difference to inspiring others, having impact. And I'm very aware, you know, I'm not 22 anymore. So I think that one of the best things I could do in the world is share the story to say, trust me, if I can do it, you can do it. 
Yeah, I mean, as as you know, and you you said it so well, our mission is all about elevating women's stories, and you have a really powerful story. So, you know, as I was preparing for this conversation, I was like, okay, well, she's got business wisdom. She has, uh, you know, you're a speaker, so you work with corporate groups. You have all of this knowledge across many different categories, and yet I really came back to really focusing on your personal story because you have overcome a lot and you have been elevated to the highest echelons within your career. And I'd love to kind of explore your backstory. Uh, You have a unique background. You spent your childhood, as we said briefly earlier, in a poor neighborhood. You actually ended up as a gang member at one point. Can you share a little bit about your early years? Sure. So, um, I laugh when people talk about the word dysfunctional, right? So my my background, my youth was chaotic and filled with love. So it, it, I was raised by a single mom. My dad was a raging alcoholic. The best thing that ever happened to my life was that she kicked him out, which in itself was a very dramatic um, experience for all, right? Um, including seeing my father being arrested and thrown down the floor. And there I was at eight, leave my dad alone, leave my dad alone. And um, so there was a lot of emotion. I have come to recognize because of what before is that people would say, I'm so sensitive. I love being sensitive because my emotional intelligence is so high that I'm grateful for it. So to all those people that used to say I'm too sensitive, freak y'all. That's right. I am. Um, but I, you know, I became a very angry kid. And at the same time that I was growing up, my half sister was living with us and she got involved with heroin. She became the local junkie, a prostitute was running away every, every couple of weeks. My mom would go out like in the middle of the night, trying to find her, bring her back. And she had said to to her when she was 16 and I was 13, she said, I can't, I can't go after you anymore. This is going to be your choice. You do it. I have two other kids at home that I have to deal with. So um, Kathy eventually died in the streets as a junkie, which, and I'm out. And um, so I was this angry kid. So, so I was a really angry kid. So angry kids get involved with wrong people. My mom did not want me to fall in the same place as my sister. So she also signed me up for Girl Scouts. So Literally, if you cut me in half, I was half cadet Girl Scout and half gang member. And I and um, and I was lucky. My mom, when she pulled for the Girl Scouts, said, you know, she's a tough gang member. And they said, oh, this is perfect. We have a brand new program because some female executive from Wall Street who was a, a single older woman had called the Girl Scouts and said, I want the toughest girls of New York. And I want them. That's the only way I'll do Girl Scouts. I want them. So myself, this woman, this girl, Denise, and this girl, Barbara, we were in three different gangs. We were in this very select Girl Scout group um, with Mrs. B, who the rules were, I don't do cookies. I'm not doing arts and crafts. You all think you're tough. I'm going to show you what tough really is. And she would take us. Uh, pick us up in the Bronx, take us to Wall Street every Wednesday at three o'clock. So after school, we'd go over there and we we were given one rule by Girl Scouts is that we had to wear the stupid little cadet hat. 
there was this cadet hat with these little things. I know exactly what you're talking about. Okay. So we had, that was the one rule that we had to wear the cadet. So here we are with gang jackets with the cadet hat, <laughs> walking behind this very waspy blonde woman who talk like this. And I'm not going to take any crap from anybody. She was like the first agent. And she was like, I don't even know who she was. I don't know her last name. <laughs> we only called her Mrs. B. And she scared we, we didn't act like we were scared, but we were scared because she would stop people like you on the street, Kelly. You sound scary right now. And she would go, you, stop. How did you get to where you are? And you'd see these gang members like behind with, you know, us arm, our arms crossed and saying, you know, sucking our teeth. In our minds, we were going, this woman is whacked. She's crazy. But you would respond because the way she asked and you would say, well, I went to school and I applied for this job and I moved up rank. And she, what is it? Was it easy? Oh, it's not easy at all. And how do you deal with those guys? And and so she, we, we, we were getting these lessons every Wednesday and she was with us for about a year and a half. She leaves. I'm still in the gang. And then at 17 years old, I was standing on the corner with Lefty and Rats, which are two girls. And Lefty was really mean and nasty. And I was there and, and I looked, you, you would have walked to the other side of the street, but in my mind, I said, um, God, there has got to be another way. This can't be what my life is about, mm. but I've seen other things and can't be. And, um, and I said, goodbye to everybody ran home while well, I walked really fast with, and then I got to the basement. I put five countries in the hat cause I decided I was leaving the gang. I thought I was so important that I had to leave the country. Didn't realize I could have gone to Florida, could have gone to Queens. They wouldn't have followed me. I wasn't that important. Um, but within a month, I was on a plane to Spain and uh, had $1,000 in my pocket, which I have since paid back. And um, I changed my life. What an amazing story. Yeah, you have done so much since then that we can talk about. But what an incredible just upbringing and story of really personal transformation, right? Making a choice. And I know so many challenges must have come after that, but making that choice and putting yourself on a new path. Yeah, it was um really interesting because I did have this vision and this is so funny that we're talking about this now. I did have this vision of me older being on TV. Like it, there was a TV bank and it's been so funny as I do in some zooms and I've been on TV, but I laugh because it, it, it didn't happen overnight. It took decades, right. To have that. And I had no idea what that vision meant. Zero, nothing, nothing. It was like, okay. Um, but then doing it was like, wow. Okay. So this is what you universe God have, was leading me to oh okay now I see how things were being put together and honestly there's just it's this it, life is one big adventure mm. and and there's so much joy if you choose it and and that's what I chose yeah well and I love that you talk about your vision right even when you didn't have that clarity around the path so one of the things that and I think I annoy people sometimes because the, the thing that whenever we're doing any exercise for anything, I always say like, let's start with the vision, right? So what, what is it that you, what is the ultimate outcome that you're looking for? And I love that even though you had no idea what the path was, you had some vision of what your direction was and whatever that journey is that's taken you there, which I want to jump into, 
you ultimately have found yourself in that space and kind of living out that vision in a, in a way that is unique to you. Yeah. You know, and I think that sometimes a vision like in that, in that instant, I could not have told you what my vision was. I definitely knew it wasn't what I was living. Mm. And I think that is something as valuable as knowing it ain't this. Yeah. Right. And so, and I think that we never just, we never spend enough time in going, all right, it ain't this. So what do I want? Yeah. You know, like we don't honor our instincts that say, this is not where I'm supposed to be. This is not what I'm supposed to be doing. This is not. And, 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 and we should honor that as vision work. Mm. That is critically important because if we don't look at it a vision work, we'll stay there because Absolutely. then we get stuck with, well, what's my vision? I don't know my vision. I just know I don't like to be here. And that's not a good enough, you know, all right, you don't have a vision, but trust me, your insights is telling you, get out now. Trust us. There's something else for you. Get out, move on, change, transform, just get out. Doesn't matter what you're going to do. Leave, walk out, get the, just get out. That's my, that's, you know, I have to talk about that more because that's really more, that's a powerful vision. It is. Oh yeah. And understanding what you don't want helps you figure out what you do want. I love that. Yeah. So, and I want to kind of lead into to our next question because, you know, through all of the twists and turns of entrepreneurship, you have built a multi-million dollar business and you've also had the heartache of losing a multi-million dollar business. Um, yet you have just been more determined. You have come back and you have conquered all of those odds. So um, with many different, you just shared your your kind of origin story, but Throughout all of these incredible things that you've done, we we kind of listed your phenomenal resume, but you've had many different struggles along the way. Can you talk us through what you consider either your biggest struggle or a struggle that was really defining for you that helped you become who you are? Oh, that is a very loaded, great question. Um, so I, I'll tell you one of the heart, the biggest heartaches for me was um, in twenty twenty three. Got it. No, it is 2023. In 2013, 10 years ago. Wow. That's amazing. I this is that that's really amazing. So 10 years ago, I was running, um, my company had grown. We were doing multi-million dollar deals. I was, I had just done a huge event for President Obama. We had it was a huge, super successful uh deal. And I was also running some very, very large scale training programs um, also through federal contracting. And on a Monday, so on a Friday, we got notified that we had won three different contracts totaling $52 million. Mm -hmm. I had a staff of seven full-time. I had 50 professional role players. This, This was great. So that was on a Friday. On a Monday, we had heard words about sequestration and government shutdown, and they were words, right? And I had two trucks going out to Alabama with my role players, and we had like amazing costumes and stuff to do this work. And um, we get the call that the contract's canceled. 
So I had to call oh, them up, <laughs> turn them down. And that was because of government shutdown. They weren't going to have money and no, no work can be done. It was stopped. <sighs> so I'm like, that's okay. That's okay. We've got these contracts coming in. Everything's going to work out. Blah, blah, blah. And that Friday was government sequestration, which was Congress now. I remember like, all of this. Okay. We lost all the contracts. We lost everything. Like everything. Overnight. Literally overnight. Just everything. It was horrendous. And so I had to let go of my 50 role players who I adored and loved. And we had trained and we did tons of work. I had to, um, I tried holding on because the entrepreneurs were so determined, persistent. We're going to make this work. Um, so I held on to staff that I should have let go at the same time. I didn't. I held them on. And I can honestly say that uh, I, I look back in those years. So 2014 was my angry. 2014 was half my, you're not going to see me lose. No, I'm a fighter. I'm going to do everything. You watch me. <laughs> I mean, I was yeah. like an animal trying, trying like, but not like a really healthy animal, like a yeah, feral just trying to fight for you. Yeah. Just, just trying to get back. So that was 2014. Oh my God. It was so bad. 2015 was pull the blankets over my head. I'm a failure. Life isn't working out for me. What did I do? Blah, blah, who, I can't tell anybody. I can't tell anybody because I, I'm this personality and oh, but the, the, boo-hoo, what am I going to do? How am I going to change? Oh my God, it was so, so crazy. Yeah. So that was 2015. 2016 was my gratitude year. Oh gosh, thank you so much that I was in that. Thank you so much for getting me out of there. Thank you so much for letting all of that go because I really didn't like who I had become. Yeah. I definitely found out certain things that I know is I don't want to lead a big organization. That's why I left a big organization. I didn't want to be having all this, these people, and I like all these people that were, that I was in charge of their salary and, and I'm the one that's hustling for them. Why am I hustling for them? This is like, I was really, I, I mean, it was like this aha, like if I want to make money, make money for me. Why are you making money for everybody else? Like I'm paying your salaries. Well, I, and I think you carry that, right? As a business owner, you carry that weight of obligation when you feel responsible for someone else. And that, so it's much more than the money. It's also just that. It's your responsibility. Oh, I'm responsible for the, who's daycare and who's this and how are we going to pay for this? And so here, take my money for you. And I'm, I'm thinking, what the, <laughs> you know, so 2016 was this, this great oh, relief. Mm. This great sense of I am so I really I spoke I spent days writing gratitudes and acknowledgments. I, I use appreciate, applaud, acknowledge, and accept. So I would write on those four topics all the time because it was liberating for me. It also made me just like when you know you one door closes, it opens you up to so what do you want? So you were doing this and you were I'm really good at running a business. I'm really good at selling. I'm really good at all that stuff. But do I want it? Mm. 
doesn't make me as happy. And so, and it worked out perfectly because then my mom got really sick and I now was a caretaker and I was still doing my work. I was still, you know, plugging away at speaking and, and, but I didn't have that monkey on my back. Yeah. Um, which was fabulous and hard. Um, and it was humbling. Let me tell you all the, oh, all these people that, Ooh, I want to make a million dollars. I want to make, you better know how you want to spend that million dollars. You better have all your financial pieces together. You better know that you're not making a million dollars. And I met too many people that made paid a million nine to earn a million dollars. So they were losing money. To feel that it's they just have so BS. Yeah. Like the ding, 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 you made a million dollars. Although I must say that I was really excited to take a check of a million dollars and show it to my mom. Because it's probably the first time she ever said to me, I'm so proud of you, which was really oh, funny. Yeah. But I, I, so, you know, challenges just come, challenges just come with the game. We were just talking about it before this, you know, I got a terrible allergic reaction just recently and I was six months in bed to medication. And that was, I haven't slept so much. And I was like, well, I guess I could count this as vacation. <laughs> I guess, you know, and, and that made me very aware of how grateful um, to have multiple streams of income and, and how grateful for the growth over the last 10 years, mm. you know, I'm just grateful and, and grateful that I stay very true to who I'm passionate about, which is women. Yeah. Well, I think that's so beautiful. And you, you talk a lot in your speeches and you've even illustrated it today, you know, this power that you have, or this belief that you have in the power of women, the power of, you know, people to change themselves, to step into leadership. I feel like we're, we're so aligned in that way. Yeah. And, you know, I want to know what keeps you, even as you just said, right, even in those hard times, even if you're six months in bed because you are trying to figure out what is going wrong, but you still, as you said, you're still generating revenue, you're still planning for the future. What keeps you motivated to, you know, get up every day, to sit down and get things done? Oh, this is a great question. So I have three things. And, and when I say them out loud, so three things, I have it in my head that I have to live to 114 years old and I have to live to 114 years old, not like a week's like 114 years old. I need to be a feisty, fearless, focused 114. I want, I want, so my vision is when I'm that at that end that I could say I made a difference in the lives of women. So they know how amazing they are. They know how, not only that they're amazing, that their leadership style is needed now. Mm. That their way of seeing the world is needed now. And I totally, totally understand the concept of, well, you know, I've got, like, I think that I'm in a in place of saying, how do we reframe the business world that, so that women can, because we're going to do it anyway, you know, we have it all. We just are exhausted having it all. You know, yes. we, we have our kids, we have our relationships, we have our friends, we have, uh, you know, we, we, we're working here, we're, we're volunteering there. Like, 
and we all wished we had eight hands and we're octopuses and we we never feel like we're quite good enough in all of them that we we had this concept or idea that was supposed to be like perfect screw that we're, we're supposed to be ourselves mm-hmm. we're supposed to you know we're supposed to just there is no supposed to we're just just be yourself right you want to take a day off i had the funniest experience i have a very dear friend and we have i really like this woman i wanted to know her better um god it's going about 20 years and she was a very um had a successful serious very serious kind of woman and i called her up i said have you ever played hooky and she said what i said take friday off and play hooky with me we're going to go to the movies and she was like i, I i've never done that in my life and i said good i've done it i that's why i was kicked out of my first high school and never finished my second we're gonna have you play hooky. yeah so it was hysterical. So she was like, okay. And she was so nervous. So we went to the movies on a Friday at two o'clock. And we were both on committees together. We both were running our companies. We were both parent we're both parents. And you know, we had it was hysterical because you've never saw two people be more uncomfortable in the movie theater. Um, she was like super uncomfortable, like, I don't do this. And I wanted it because I didn't know what to say to her. So like we could have the shared experience. Well, we have been buddies since then. Um, and we talk about that first date, which we call our first <laughs> date, which was a disaster. Yeah. Um, but it was also, we were breaking so many barriers for ourselves. Who in Jacksonville takes Fridays off to go to the movies? Which women leader? Any of them would go play hooky and you know it was liberating for both of us Mm. and I think that um so my you know I'll know well my job will never be over my job will never be over because there's so much that needs that that I want women to be fulfilled with and inspired with I'm I'm a participant in the greater good I'm a I'm a I'm a leader just as you are to transform the it can't just be one person it's thousands of us that are saying there's there's women are amazing women are awesome women are great and our way of leading is different get over it you know and 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 we do it I do it for my daughter I do it now for my granddaughter um I don't know where it's going to lead. I just know I can't stop. Mm. I love that. And I love, you know, we've talked so much about your personal story, but also the the motivation and the meaning for you about leaving a legacy, right? So building something that is that is unique and special to you in your own life independently, but also building and living leaving a legacy for your daughter and your brand new granddaughters. Let me just stop and say congratulations. Thank you. Now, um, I want to talk a little bit more kind of in the same vein around the idea of purpose. So um, as you know, virtually everything we do at She Is Fierce is kind of stepping into the space of women's stories, but also understanding and living with a sense of purpose. And you have 
as we've said, so many different pieces to what you do. You talked a little bit about what keeps you motivated, but I'd love to know what the word purpose means to you and how you feel like maybe you live that out day to day. That's a really great question. So, so years ago, I, so I had gone to Europe and, you know, through what I thought was being forced, I had to, I had to figure out how to become an entrepreneur and open those business. I came at, came back to the States and I started as a receptionist up here, Cardin Gant, and I moved up rank from salesperson to national salesperson to director of operations. And, and in my roles, as I was going through, it always was fascinating to me, like always about where would the role that women were playing. And when I got to be in leadership, um, I became intrigued with this question, which was how do organizations and society help or hinder women and minorities to move up rank? And how do women and minorities help or hinder themselves? That became a really interesting question. And it became a question because I would offer opportunities to hire women that I thought were phenomenal. They, I mean, they were, they were phenomenal. They had yeah. incredible skills and they'd go, no, I'm not ready. No, thank you. No. And I didn't have the time or the effort to go. I didn't have the time. I definitely didn't have the time to go and mentor them and say, come on, little girl, you can do it. Believe in you. Come. That, that just wasn't how it was done. Yeah. Here's a job. You don't want it next. Yeah. You got to fill that role. Right. Um, but it, it bothered me because who I hired was usually a guy who was way less certified, less capable oh, yeah, than, yeah. and qualified than the women that I was hiring. So this really started ticking me off. I mean, really pissed me off. Then I became, you know, president of a direct sales company and then head of a, a, a non-for-profit. And in all those roles, I constantly was confronted by these incredibly qualified, brilliant, amazing women who, who nobody was putting themselves down. They were putting themselves down. Drove me nuts. Just so you know, Kelly, drove me freaking nuts. So my passion I love that of- you're saying this because I feel like I spend so much time going around saying like, why are you not doing X, Y, or Z? You have everything you need to do it. Just do it. Right. Yeah, I, I, love, it, I love to hear someone else who gets mad about the same thing. It just drives me nuts. It's it, it, it. So that, that, that was, that became fuel. And when, and as you can see, I get really passionate about this stuff. I just can't. So when you talk about passion, my passion comes, okay, so I was a pissed off kid and then I got pissed off about women not leading up. So I guess the more pissed off I am, the more passionate I become. But um, but I do feel strongly that I cannot change people, places, things, and situations. I can only change myself and how I react or how I act. Hmm. And so knowing that I can only then share, educate, inspire women to be able to say, how am I choosing to act? 
How am I choosing to show up? And what rules will I not conform with? So it's, I've worked with tons of corporate women. I've worked tons with entrepreneurs. I've worked tons in military. And, you know, sometimes we stick a stick up our butt to try to conform to what others want to see with us. Mm. And so we adapt. We lose our souls to, to adapt to another thing. My mom used to tell me something. She says, if you could just teach women what you do. I said, well, what is that? And she said, you're H2O. You are who you are. You are totally who you are. But I could put five different vases in front of you or vases, however you want to say it. And I could pour you into those vases. You will take the shape, but you won't change who you are. Oh, I love that. You'll come, you know, so I'll wear the St. John suit if I'm going in. Let me <laughs> I don't do that. talk, But I'll wear the St. John suit so that they, whoever they are, are seeing the impression of, oh, she's one of us. Right. Um, or, you know, that I that if I'm going to a youth thing, I might wear, you know, something just a little more hip. Oh, she's one of us. Um, so, but that doesn't, I will never change my presentation style. I will never change how I speak. One is, I really don't care what you think of me. I care what I think of me. And I think that's the most important thing that I would want women to know. People, places, things, and situations, you no control over. All control how you think of yourself. So you have to really focus on how do I want to think about me? Yeah. How do I see myself? How do I love myself? How do I share myself? How do I want me to express myself? And give yourself full permission to do that. Everybody else, freak them. They will, ad they will adapt to you. Mm. Uh, so two things. First of all, you have already pre-answered one of my follow-up questions, which was what is your, you know, words, what are your words of wisdom for women who are listening that you want them to take away? And that was a beautiful way of sharing something that I think, you know, even those of us who I think uh, so many people might look at many of the women on our stages, or even I've experienced, you know, people think, oh, well, you're doing everything your way. And I think, oh no, I need, there's so many things that I want to do that I haven't done yet, or, or, you know, I need to step out of my comfort zone or whatever those things are, no matter how much, um, I think we as individuals might try to step into our, ourselves and the way you're describing, there's another layer and there's another layer. And there's so many opportunities to go deeper into that. Oh gosh. So, so people assume, oh, you know, she, she she's done this. Let me tell you what my daily life looks like. So, because you're right, there's always this uncovering. So Sundays, Wednesdays, and Fridays at 8 a.m. for the last 15 years, I am in a um, mastermind. Um, it's, it's a self-development. She and I are in a partnership. So we read very deep books to to 
to self-discover ourselves, to discover ourselves. So now we're, writing, we're reading this book, Sacred Contracts. It's super deep. And we, you know, and we don't read it fast. We read a couple of pages and we assess what does this mean to us? We, I mean, and, and the two of us will go on retreats where we're being pushed and prodded and to, to uncover the more magnificence of who we are. We don't do, yeah, so that's what we, so that's, that's three days. I a week. love that. Okay. I, love that. I do that every single day, no matter what, no matter what I write gratitudes and effort. I do gratitudes and applause and I do appreciation. So gratitude, applause, appreciation sounds the same, but it's not. So great gratitude is I am grateful for what I'm receiving that you and I both know that we had nothing to do with it, right? The universe just provided for us. Thank you so much for that. You know, sometimes it's a check coming in. Sometimes it's just me looking at my granddaughter of that, that emotion that I had no idea existed, right? Appreciation is this is what I've done. These are the steps that I've done. I am so proud of you, Pingine for doing this. I'm so proud of you for taking this job. I'm so proud of you for doing it because sometimes we wait for everybody else to tell it to us. Freak that. If you wait for somebody, everybody else, you're never going to hear it or you hear it and then you're going to go, Oh, not me. Really? And yep. so we're going to discount it anyway. You have to do it for yourself. Right. So appreciate it. And then, and then applause. There are a lot of things that you do during the day that you deserve a standing ovation. And, and and this is so critically important. Sometimes it's just the fact that you've been so exhausted and you took your dishes and you're like, I could leave them. I could put them in the dishwasher. I could leave them. All right, I'll put them in the dishwasher. That is an applause moment. That that moment is a standing ovation applause moment because sometimes we deserve it for those things that if we don't do it, who would do it? Very true. <laughs> so, you know, those kinds of things, though, so that moment when, you know, your kid gets up and they're having a nightmare and someone next to you didn't hear the screaming and yelling and you have a big conference to go on the next day, but somehow you managed to get up, hear the, hear the nightmare, go, mm, it's okay, it's okay, go back to bed and get up for the event and go, showtime, so, that, that deserves a standing ovation. And can I say, say something else about standing ovations? All right. Do you all females have to give people standing ovations? Mm. I'm, I am really tired of women not standing up for other women to give an applause. Waiting for some, and maybe they're great. Give them applause. Maybe they suck. They had courage to get on stage. Give them applause. How dare we hold ourselves back? From what will people think of us if I'm the first one to stand up? Mm. Women must applaud women. You might not like her. She might not be your cup of tea. She's on stage and you're not. She And you've seen it too, right? You've seen oh, it where, a thousand percent, yes. You know, and, and you and I have to say, I love... I love what you're saying. And I will say that I did see a fantastic example at one of our recent events where um, Shawana Brooks, Aaron Kendrick, Alma Ramirez, these incredible artists and curators 
um, they were together in a panel on stage. And when I was reaching out to them independently to ask them if they wanted to be featured, they were, they already knew each other. They were already celebrating each other. They were already inviting each other. And I thought I've, I found these incredible independent people and they had built this beautiful community of female artists who, and I'm sure many men in there as well, but that they were lifting each other up. So I think that's a beautiful example of, of what you're saying, right? Like how in all of these other aspects of life, we can be doing the same thing. Oh, and it, and it's a really interesting phenomenon for me. I mean, I speak all over the world, right? To, to just tons of different kinds of conferences. And it's really fascinating that, you know, one, you need at least one person to stand up. But in women's conferences, you really need at least four women to be willing to stand up before everybody who stands up. And it's only because everybody's thinking, oh, I don't want to be first. I don't want to be first. What would they think of me? Maybe if I stand up, they'll all notice me. And ooh, that would be terrible. No, stand up and be noticed. All y'all should be standing (laughs) up because it takes courage to be there. Yeah, it does take courage. And as we kind of, you know, wrap up our conversation, I want to ask you one more question about you. And that is, if you feel that there is a defining characteristic that has kind of helped you to succeed at the level that you have, if there's some, you know, something that people always comment on or something that you know in your heart of hearts, like because of this, I've been able to, to get to where I am. Absolutely. Because of my enthusiasm, I've been able to get where it is. I I did not know. I'm really grateful that I know my enthusiasm is my power. I was told all through growing up, take it down, take it down. But in every, I mean, I could tell you countless experiences where it was my enthusiasm that changed everything. And I, you know, I am like, you know, I laugh at like, look at my granddaughter. She's, you know, now she's, she's still, she's only one month old. So her, everything is flopping around, but I know the moment where you're finding your toes and you're, you're finding your fingers and the joy and the enthusiasm and, oh my gosh, this world is great. And I really feel like that every day. Oh my gosh, this world is great. I get to be with Kelly. I get to be with Kelly Youngs and talk to her. I get to be able to share. I get to make to be alive and to share my truth. And it's my truth. It's my story. It's my world. And the fact that I'm here, you know, I always remember, you know, I could have gone the way of my half sister. It would have been very easy to do that. My enthusiasm said, hell no, you're, 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 you're more valuable. You know, there's a a line that I've learned uh, to ask yourself to be capable. Are you capable valuable, worthwhile, and lovable. Those are the four things that every human wants to be, capable, worthwhile, lovable, and valuable. And how just you being born gives you those things. Mm, What a beautiful way to kind of wrap up our conversation. Pekin, I am so truly grateful for your time, for your wisdom, and I want to encourage anybody who is listening to this to go and learn more about Pegeen, book her as a speaker for your next corporate event, uh, learn more about Power Women Worldwide, and you can do all of that at Pegeen.com. Is there anything else that you would love our audience to do to, to get to know you? 
You know, go to Pegeen.com, go to Teen Pegeen. So Teen Pegeen is my program for women that want to be speakers, experts, and be paid well. If you want to be bold, be brave, be seen, be heard, you definitely want to go to Power Women Worldwide because uh, that's what I do. That's my mission. You want to know that you have to be called to lead. So yes, go to Pegeen.com. And there I have books. Sometimes you need to kick your own butt. I have called to lead. I have about five or six books. But most importantly, just step up to the plate. If you go to either one of them, you'll find me. And if you want to set an appointment to chat or talk or whatever, just reach out. Reach out and touch. (laughs) You know, let's just do that. Make the world a better place. Absolutely. Well, Pagin, I'm so grateful to you. Thank you. Thank you to everybody who is listening to this, uh, you know, in the near future and in the distant future. I hope that they get the chance to connect with you and get to uh, either follow you or get to know you in real life and, and get some of that enthusiasm and that joy in their lives as well. Thank you again. Thank you for having me. I adore you. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the She Is Fierce podcast. Join our community of fierce female leaders and women on the rise who are ready to level up, make more money, find more joy, and make their mark in the world inside our She Is Fierce membership, our high-level CEO mastermind circle for entrepreneurs, or at one of our sold-out live events. Choose how you want to get involved at sheisfiercehq.com.